Jean Dyan, the director of the Value Experience Delivery Team here at SAP Concur. Uh, my team works with customers to analyze data for programmatic improvements across their overall spend processes. We typically concentrate on our customers' desired business outcomes. And today I have two great friends uh, with me to talk about the technological impact on finance and accounting. So I'd like to introduce Mike Eberhardt and Chris Juno. Mike, if you wouldn't mind going ahead and introducing yourself to the audience, I think they may know who you are already, but let's go ahead and do that. Sure, Jean. Um, well, the folks who do know me know me from my 17 years uh, with Concur and SAP Concur. And uh, most recently for the last uh, six years, I was leading the Concur business and then expanded with SAP to include Ariba uh, and others. And uh, really my background is 30 years in the financial, financial system space. So I'm really looking forward and thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. And Chris, how about you? Hi, Jane. Uh, again, Chris Juno. Uh, I spent 17 of my 20 years working very closely with Mike at Concur and then SAP Concur in 2014. Uh, and I most recently retired from SAP Concur and I joined Oversight Systems as the Chief Marketing Officer and Chief Product Officer. Thanks, Chris. So, I want to start today with laying some groundwork. Um, as somebody who worked on the opposite side of finance technological um, discoveries and implementations, I did a lot of work that was really manual. And it amazes me now to see what's happening in the landscape today. So, Mike, I was just wondering, you mentioned, you know, you've had a significant amount of experience moving across these financial technology fields. Could you kind of describe the landscape when you started your career? Sure. My initial position in the financial system space was really an ERP, and it was the mid-90s even mainframe ERP to date myself a little bit more. Um, and mainframe ERP, I think manual is a great term to use, Gene. It was data entry heavy. And that's really what it was designed for more than anything else was that data entry component. Then I had an opportunity to uh, move over to a company called PeopleSoft. And PeopleSoft was an ERP uh, solution that had adopted a new technology called client server. And believe it or not, that was the first time where business users really got an opportunity to use a graphical user interface or a mouse or anything like that. I remember that. I remember that. That was like revolutionary. <laughs> it was. It was. I mean, people loved be able to, uh, to interface with their system at that point. And um, and from a, a technology standpoint, it was important because it was a time where integration was coming in to be really important. So you could, let's say, look at a journal entry and then double click and right, go right into the source system that created that entry. And, and it started to make some big advances in uh, financial users and how they interact with the systems. And they didn't have to pick up the phone and call another group or um, do a lot of things that they were doing manually. Um, and, and that was, that was amazing um, for, for, it was also a time where we were doing preparation for the new millennium. 
And so people were really making whole system decisions across the entire enterprise. And that integrated uh, suite of solutions ended up to become one of the primary um, priorities in their decisions. But big license fees, really big consulting fees to implement it, hardware and infrastructure to support it. And so it was very long return on investment. So when I think about that and I think about what happened during that period, and we move forward, like we can fast forward into, you know, the software as a service or those cloud solutions, they started to emerge right around then. I know you were involved in that as well, even before you came to SAP Concur, which is one of the premier SaaS systems. So would you be willing to talk a little bit more about how those SaaS solutions began to impact finance? I know how it did for me personally. The It was... I, I joked and said that the the graphical interface was revolutionary, but it was. But this was just brought my game to a whole other level. My team and I could do some amazing things with a SaaS application. So from a background perspective, what did you see as an industry person of the impact that was happening? Well, it was a huge change. Um, you know, the the first I would say was the ability for you know, most any company to adopt a world-class, best-in-class solution and process, right? Before that, for example, I think most people recognize Salesforce as, you know, one of the uh, primary champions of building out uh, SaaS solutions. You know, before Salesforce came around, you'd have, you would likely lead to the best solution out there with Siebel, which was a great sales automation system and platform, but huge costs to implement, to license and implement and support that system ongoing. And so only the biggest companies really could afford to, you know, compete in that way. And when Salesforce came out, that barrier to entry came down and, and you started to pay for the service as you used it, which allowed for a better return on investment. And the other massive change was, you know, after Salesforce and then other companies out there, Concur included, they started really lowering the barrier to entry on implementation. And so it got to the point where it was a lightweight solution with IT. And that was revolutionary for finance because finance typically sat in the back seat about what were the next systems that were going to be implemented inside of an organization. And, uh, and so their own needs and their own solutions were pretty low on the priority list when it came to systems that affected product or systems that affected sales and distribution. When SaaS came in, it allowed the finance professionals to be able to say, you know, number one, we can implement this, we can support this, a much lighter lift from an IT standpoint. And it started to create a lot of solutions inside of finance that they got a tremendous amount of value at. So I like to think of it as finance got to move from the back seat to the front seat. And, uh, and they really started to be able to adopt systems that they needed. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I felt like I moved from the kids table at Thanksgiving up to the grown up table 
once we started pulling in some of the some of those SaaS uh, applications. And I also felt like it gave me the chance to have more control over how things were implemented, how things were configured, and then how I could continue to do my job after it. It actually made it so that there was automation further down the line that could come to bear, which was really incredibly empowering for me as a finance leader. Yeah, the, the, the SaaS systems... One of the biggest value of that model was that you didn't have to do big, expensive implementations to get innovation. And so you would get innovation on a consistent basis. And so it was really up to you in finance to say, I want to take advantage of these next level capabilities that have come out and uh, made a huge difference. And so when I think about that, you know, as being a milestone, if I look at... (laughs) If we look at them like ages, we had the age of uh, the initial technology where it kind of changed who we were. Then we had the age of SaaS, which really upped our game. What would you say is the next technological age that really impacted our finance professionals? Well, I think there was one in between, um, and that was a smartphone. And so, you know, when you look at the topic we were talking about earlier about data entry, even when uh, SaaS came through, there was still a fair amount of data entry that was happening inside of uh, accounting and and finance organizations. And when the applications began to adopt uh, smartphone technology, what you found is that a lot of that data entry started happening at the source. And that freed up a tremendous amount of resources inside of finance and accounting to focus more on strategic topics and and, and real value of the organization. And so I think smartphones was another one beyond uh, software as a service or cloud that really helped the finance organization. But I believe the next level of innovation that's going to have a huge positive impact on finance is really around uh, getting these solutions much smarter, using artificial intelligence, using machine learning. These uh, smartphone-enabled solutions have created a massive amount of data. And so the ability to remain compliant and the ability to manage that level of data uh, really goes to the next level when you start infusing um, AI and machine learning. Yeah, absolutely. It starts to look to doing things here in artificial intelligence as being something more of a strategic versus the absolute hands-on tactical. And Chris, I don't know if you have anything that you thought about as this being that last big major impact to finance. You know, what do you think what's happening within the finance field, especially with people retiring. Sure, Jane. Yeah, I think, you know, the if you go around to many organizations, regardless of size, and talk to the finance leaders, they're likely uh, strapped for, for people. They're, even though organizations may grow, finance departments traditionally do not. And then I, as you and I were chatting uh, prior to this uh, podcast, is there's a growing number of finance professionals who are retiring. And therefore we have a human capital shortage. So I think that combined with greater compliance being applied at the state, local, government, 
you know, geographic level. So you have a number of forces at work on finance professionals as they continue to try to do the traditional things of finance, ensuring uh, business continuity, closing the books, and, and so and so forth. And so I think tools like AI drive increased productivity, as well as enable rapid compliance with uh, with continuing emerging regulatory uh, issues and so forth in a time when uh, finance departments are, are not growing in size. You know, I think about it too. I have a daughter who recently graduated from college. And when I think about how her course of studies changed so drastically from when I went to school and the idea that technology is pretty much baked into everything they learn today. Everything right. that our college graduates are learning bakes that in there as almost an expectation that things are going to work this way and that they're going to be automated. But I read a lot of stories, you know, there's there's a, a group of people who also feel, oh my God, the robots are coming. They're going to replace <laughs> us. You know, when you talk about artificial intelligence, you what role do you believe that artificial intelligence can can play in a finance and accounting space? And I'll toss that I'll out take to it. either one of you. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to take that first and and, and have Mike uh, respond as well. I think first and foremost, AI is uniquely suited for, for, pattern, uh, for pattern identification. Human beings are not uh, ideally suited for, for uh, pattern matching across the vast amounts of data of which uh, Mike was referencing that has, had evolved through all the technology advances. So I think leveraging AI in the right way to help finance professionals focus on what's most important within their financial processes, whether it be, again, business continuity, time to close in terms of your books or compliance with their own internal policies or our various uh, regulations is key. So I think AI could be liberating to finance professionals versus uh, sort of marching, you know, the robots are coming in to take over the finance, finance professionals' jobs. Yep, exactly. What do you think, Mike? I think the the core point that we have a massive amount of data now, and you couple that with the fact that I don't think there's any finance organization that hasn't had a visit from risk and compliance within the last 30 days. And, and there are more and more checkpoints uh, from a risk and compliance standpoint that's coming in. Some of it is, has been building you know, cooperatively alongside of technology because the more we automate, the more is that there's, there's some needs for checkpoint and process and, and audit and those types of things. The key takeaway though, is that most companies and certainly most finance organizations don't have the ability to just double their workforce to comply with the new you know, data and matching and auditing um, that's required. And it doesn't matter whether it's you know, in uh, setting up a new vendor or whether it's you know, coming through on uh, expense reports and adhering to uh, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act or new SOX uh, rules. And so it gets to the point of where you really can't move forward and comply without beginning to use technology against your data sets. And I think that's not something to fear. It, it, it certainly 
there isn't, as Chris said, the ability for humans to do some of the things that we really want AI to do now. And it's different than if you were working on the shop floor and being replaced by a robot. This is a much different situation. And I think this really does lift the finance organization from the tactical and move them much more into strategic. I mean, just a couple of things that both both of you said that have struck me, you know, I mean, we know that based on multiple surveys, that most organizations or a typical organization will lose about 5% of annual revenue to white collar crime, that occupational fraudulent behavior, no matter where it happens. We also know that if it's happening in one place of spend, it's happening probably across the board because things like that tend to happen in clumps. Um, But we also know that in times of economic uncertainty, that type of behavior actually skyrockets. And to your point, it takes about 14 months to find something like happening, like that happening. So you're 14 months in with somebody's eyeballs looking at it, having something that could be automated and really check those patterns is really powerful uh, for an organization. It can, it can really bring the work, as you said, to a, to a strategic level and provide you with some of that exception-based type work. But I do want to ask, you know, we know that AI has a lot of potential. And what we've been talking about is having finance accounting professionals work smarter, not really harder for compliance and efficiency. Is there a couple of examples that you can give us where you can show where that works really well? I know I have a preference of of what part of spend it would work well on, but just want to toss it out to you guys as well, because you see a lot of this in your everyday. Yeah, I can I can take a first crack at that, Gene. Mm-hmm. Um, we you know at Oversight we just completed a spend insights survey, and you're absolutely right. I I believe, and I don't have the exact stat in front of me, though. T and E spending is down due to the pandemic. Uh, you know, cases of of non-compliance or potential fraud are up over 200 plus percent. And, and, and when we talked to our customers and I was just chatting with a few in Atlanta last week, novel idea, we were actually in person visiting with Atlanta-based customers. Um, and three things that are on their mind is first, unused tickets with airlines. So many of our customers, and we're all concur customers, have have negotiated with the airlines to have all those airline credits over the last 18 months that are typically identified with an individual to be able to be pooled together. So they could literally burn those credits down as people begin to travel again. But what they're seeing is employees are also submitting expenses with those, even though they may have used a credit. And so so the oversight uh, concur to tech technology is identifying those duplicates. Is it fraud? Was it intentional? Regardless, you're not allowing that money to go out the door because you're trying to burn down those credits. Uh, Second, there's been a high proliferation of gift card purchasing, Mm -hmm. which has been fascinating to see uh, (laughs) across our customers. And again, identifying those patterns, how are the gift card, what are the gift cards, who is purchasing the gift cards, to what purposes, because that has, as you know, ramifications from taxability, uh, both, you know, personal tax liability. In Australia, we call it fringe benefit tax and so forth. So it's it's allowing technology to spot these trends and these patterns. And then the third, I had a chat, well, 
with our uh, our mutual uh, customer with Southwest Airlines. I listened to the webinar that was recently conducted and how excessive mileage reimbursement is up. And that's near and dear to Mike's heart because he and I worked on, on an initiative with Unconcurred Drive uh, launching. And Southwest is having to remind their employees who now can live anywhere, which typically in an airline, you did have a lot of flexibility, but even more so that you cannot be reimbursed for driving to your place of employment. So those are the things that we're seeing just immediately and, and primarily being driven driven by the pandemic that traditional systems we don't believe would have would have caught these patterns, surface these patterns and our organizations are, are changing their policies, reminding their employees of, of what is allowed, not allowed, and so forth. So those are those are some of the examples I wanted to point out. The other one that I've heard a lot about, Chris, is uh the home office expenses and oh. millions and millions of dollars that are being spent much without process. And, uh, and so and that's another one that's being battled right now, Gene. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're seeing that a lot when we speak with our customers, we're seeing a lot of that type of um, non-travel spend that's showing up on expense reports. And so audit teams aren't really familiar the people teams aren't really familiar with how to audit this on an expense report, number one. But number two, some of this spend, you have to wonder, as you mentioned, Chris, the de minimis tax benefits on some of this, especially like mm -hmm. gift cards or even on the office supply spending. If I spend $600 on an office chair and I put it through on an expense report, am I expected to mail that back when I'm done? <laughs> great point. Great point. And it's great that organizations have many if organizations give their employees such flexibility to uh, to work remotely and so forth. But, you know, there are consequences uh, from that freedom as well. Yeah. The other thing that we've noticed, and I'm sure you all have noticed as well, is the rise of the third party payment. Mm. The Venmos, mm. the PayPal's, even the Amazon accounts, Alibaba, all those different pay systems that you may or may not know who that vendor is. Right. And so having to try to figure out what's going on there, I don't even want to open up the can of worms on, on, on Amazon returns. I don't even want to go there. Um, but just that idea is, you know, from that perspective of looking at it, are you seeing an uptick in those type of vendor stories that are happening and that you, your tools are catching? Uh, I, I can take a take a first response at that. We absolutely are, because that's, we're seeing that primarily, uh, as Mike was saying, related to home office expenses, uh, increasing use of, you know, Best Buy uh, for their 80 inch uh, TV screen monitor and so forth. Uh, we're less seeing some of the trends in terms of payment, though I think that's a, a new opportunity that, that we should partner with Concurrent in terms of solving. But it's, it's uh, but also the way to purchase, to your point, look at Uber Eats. Now we have, we're, we're identifying things where why are employees continue doing Uber Eats when it's not a, when it's, when it's a weekend and not a work day and so forth. So I think it's partly the proliferation of payment platforms, but it's the proliferation of things that you can buy and the ways that you can purchase, which are, which are going to confound finance and accounting organizations for years to come. Yep, exactly. When we think about the ongoing evolution of companies and, and jobs and 
business requirements and and all the things that are happening you know kind of tying back to this whole artificial intelligence piece of of work how would you advise finance teams to take a look at what they have now that might be semi-automated where do you think that they would best be served putting their automation dollars towards well i think that's a great question gene and i think you know the if you look at most of the solutions out there they've been really focused on creating efficiencies up into the process of finance and accounting and so how long and how hard did we work at concur of making a system that was as easy as possible for the end user you know the traveler the the person that can now just take a picture of the receipt um, and uh, and and I think what we what we didn't have the opportunity to focus on as much was a lot of the back office processes, right? And uh, and so right now I think this is a this is a fantastic opportunity, especially with the state of where spend is today, is to look at those back office processes and say where can you evaluate and do it in conjunction with where compliance, like partner with compliance to get ahead of the curve of what those requirements are going to be over the next 12 months and begin to look at, you know, solutions like oversight and others that can get deep into your expense process, deep into your payables process on a back end um, and look at, at providing a tremendous amount of value that way. And that's a perfect spot to automate because I think that's been ignored for 20 years. Sure has. You know, to Chris's point earlier, we were always throwing people at it, but now there aren't as many people to throw at it. So how do we get value out of it? And I think that's a great way to look at it is to evaluate those back office processes and take a look from there. We've been so focused on making the employee experience um, and the optimization kind of front and center for the end user. We've got some people on the back end who haven't had it as easy as some of the rest of us for a That's long right. time. <laughs> That's right. For a very long time. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely absolutely right, Gene. We, many of us, you know, uh, worked at Concur. I always joke that we were building solutions, uh, and we're probably unique in that regard, where we wanted the users to spend the least amount of time the end users in that technology. Now, I think to Mike's point, we do need to reframe uh, the challenge for the finance and accounting professionals. How do we have them spend the least amount of time ensuring their process and, and then, you know, and, you know, enabling process efficiency. And then as Mike also said, that intersection of process efficiency, scalability, all during a pandemic with a decentralized workforce now combining that with where we see compliance going, enabling those professionals to do their job more effectively uh, and to focus on the bigger strategic issues in their organization versus focusing on the on the health uh, of their financial processes. Yeah. yeah compliance, and, compliance and audit is still manual. Gene is kind of you had, how you open this up on how much was manual. I think they're still manual in many ways. Yeah. They are. And, you know, I have been challenging our customers as part of what I do here at Concur every day to rethink 
how they run those processes and to rethink where is the value in that process? Where does it bring value to the corporation and where can we better uh, assist? You know, one of the things I have spoken with customers about a lot is to rethink that entire workflow of approval on an expense report. Do you really need to have the manager review it or is it better to move to an exception base, fix the exceptions and fix the behavior later? using dashboard technology to tell you where you have problems so you can start to target your training. Because once the spend has happened, the toothpaste is out of the tube. It's not like you're going to get it back in. So it's not like you're preventing anything from happening there. It's the training at the front end, but you need tools to help you target that. And I think that the oversight tool is one of the more remarkable tools that we have in our arsenal to be able to perform that kind of automation to a workflow that affects everybody in the chain, whether it's somebody who's made the purchase right down to somebody who's going to make a journal entry. It affects everybody. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Jean. And and the way that's going to happen is by making the system smarter and smarter and by by leveraging AI, right? Those those Boolean audit rules that were in most expense reporting solutions were really invented in the 90s. And, you know, they identify that an expense line item needs to be reviewed, but there's no other context. Like, you know, with AI, you can evaluate that the same transaction, but with the context of all the transactions that they've, that they're processing, right? The, the transaction exceeds the normal amount for this expense type in the company, or the transaction was with a non-improved vendor, uh, or as you talked about earlier, a non-approved payment method. And it could be the gift card purchases, which, which weren't allowed. They're just a, it's a perfect opportunity to apply the pattern recognition and only bring the real actions that are needed for people to engage. And that, by doing that, you can start taking certain people out of the approval process. Maybe not a review process, but out of the approval process. Right, right. That's great. Uh, so I could talk to you guys all day about this because this is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> but I know we have a finite amount of time. I only have you for a certain amount of time. So um, I'm just curious, is there any parting words of advice that you would like to give to any finance or accounting professionals who are listening to us talk today? Is there, If you could pick one thing that they should be focused on. Can either one of you, both of you want to want to chime in on that? Yeah, I'll go first, Chris, and then you can you can sum it up. Sure. I think, you know, with all the transformation that's occurred over the last 30 years, much of which we talked about, it's going to pale in comparison to the next. And I think it's an exciting time to be in finance. I think there's there's scary parts and uh, and the level of compliance uh, and rules that are coming in can get scary. But a lot of the times for me, the, the scarier ones have become the most fun. And I'd suggest, you know, opening up and embracing change and, and looking for how the finance organization can ensure that they're ahead of compliance and risk. And I can't wait to see it happen. So thank you, Gene. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and to, to build on what Mike said, I, I, I think it's an opportunity for finance and accounting professionals to rethink their current processes and their approach to compliance. As Mike said, getting ahead of, of, of audit and so forth, because that's the opportunity that, that technology 
uh, advancements have have brought through the years. And Gene, you said it yourself for many times. Uh, we always told the customer, yes, we can automate your current existing manual expense reporting process, but why would we? Why not take the opportunity to rethink, uh, which has been a theme for SAP Concur in, in 2021. So I think this is a, is a great opportunity for finance and accounting professionals to, to rethink their approach uh, to not only their processes, but also how they're, how they're driving greater compliance. Absolutely. And I never thought I'd hear this, but it makes my heart sing that finance is really part of the digital revolution. <laughs> it is. It is. Absolutely. I'm kind of sad that I'm not right back in the thick of it. Uh, <laughs> maybe I moved out of it too soon. Oh, well. Uh, I can be on the other side of it, helping it move through. So um, I'd like to thank you both, though, for speaking with me today and spending some time with me. I'm looking forward to being able to kind of reconvene at some point in the future and see how things have changed. Maybe we can all be sitting around a table looking at each other. I'm super jealous of your Atlanta trip. I want to thank you again uh, for both of you and for, on behalf of SAP Concur, uh, thank all of our listeners for listening in. If you have any questions about our product families, please feel free to visit the oversight.com uh, or visit sapconcur.com for more information. Thanks, everyone.